All right, welcome back to the big program. 902 in Edmonton. Man, is it going to be smoking hot today, like 12, 13 degrees. It's crazy. Duke, you should be out this afternoon just getting the, you know, putting the lotion on. Take the tarp off. Do a little sunbathing. Yeah, take the tarp off, walk down White Ave. Maybe put some rollerblades on and yeah. uh, strum my guitar as I rip down Find White Ave. Find a Air shop. No shortage of them down on White Avenue, which we, is good. We've got a whole bunch of Air texts to get to. Uh, just wanted to mention this, and, and congratulations to one of our colleagues and friends over at uh, CFCW and in, in Camrose, uh, Tim Ellis, and he's been on the show a couple of times. Uh, he's going to be calling his 1,000th game for the Camrose Kodiaks this weekend. That's just an amazing accomplishment. Started in uh, 2007 as the play-by-play man. And just to have a a run like that, just an amazing, amazing accomplishment. And he's been on our show twice now talking about the Canadian Finals Rodeo, once with the announcement that the rodeo is coming to Edmonton next year. And then, man, you just heard him just come out, the knowledge that was just coming out of him, uh, talking about, uh, I guess would have to be two go-rounds that we had him on. We had him on the Friday before you went to CFR Duke. So he, he was just, I mean, he knows the rodeo inside and out. It's a love of his and, and the Camrose Kodiaks, a love of his as well. So congrats to everyone uh, down in Camrose. The Kodiaks, a great organization. And uh, Tim Ellis, uh, 1,000 1000 AJHL games for the Kodiaks. Uh, congrats to Tim on that. So tons of text regarding... Donairs, the Duke, you've opened the Pandora's Donair box. Just to be clear, the East Coast Donair is nothing like the Edmonton version. The East Coast Donair is open-faced with the disgusting dill sauce. And Simon King's Donair in Edmonton is the best. Anthony, the washed-up goalie, says, Cleopatra's in Red Deer. Very solid. I'm a big Donair guy. Uh, big Queens guy, though. They, that being said, I haven't met too many Donairs I didn't like. That's... That's basically the the, the end-all, be-all with Donairs. The Donair was created in Halifax, boys. The gentleman that created it called it the Donair because his machine had the word Donner on it. The meat that he came up with uh, when he passed on was sold to a butcher and is now used by KOD in the city and Blowers and Grafton. You guys should contact Josh at Blowers and Grafton for the history of the Donair. That's the third text we've had referencing blowers and grafting. So obviously East that Coast. seems like a place. Well, oh, certainly I, I would have to think so. And and I think I have been there before mm-hmm. for some drinks. I don't know if I ate anything. I'm trying to remember because they've they're a relatively newer spot. Mm-hmm. Maybe I mean, and I say relatively like going back. I think they were on White Ave when I um was at the U of A. Yeah, but I, yeah, I think I went there for some drinks one time. I could be mixing places up. When I did the research for this question, Duke, or the inner or the out statement, <laughs> uh, Eddie's on 167th Avenue did come up, and I was mm. going to mention it because of Eddie Steele. And, of course, Eddie's never wanted to turn away a donair. But, again, so many places in Edmonton. Because it's, you know, you got that late-night feel. You know, the the, the, one the thing spit's I, been going for, for hours, oh, right? Yeah. You get the smell. The one thing about donairs is that usually... And now, like, it's kind of a flip-floppy. It's kind of sound like I'm coming out on two sides of the same question. Is like, the messier they are to eat, 
is yeah. sometimes means they're okay. better because they're really loaded up with all the, the toppings and stuff. And, and the more sweet sauce, the better. Oh my goodness. I could drink that out of a vat. <laughs> but also sometimes you like one that's a little bit neater to eat because man, if you get one that's uh, a and little a, outrageous, a it's too. everywhere. Oh in my God. It's oh, all yeah. over your shirt. Yeah. You're you telling the cabbie, you're like, yeah, sorry about this, yeah. buddy. Here's an extra 20 to get your seats uh, steam clean from all the so sweet sauce. Do all Donair shops have that little quarter plastic bag on the bottom? Like, you know, some that, of them? They should, yeah, because yeah. then you catch it and then you drink the sweet sauce oh, out of that at the end. Oh, it's the best. The best, Kev. <laughs> oh, this came from uh, an hour ago. I ne- we never got to it because we had uh, Bobby uh, Stoffer sent this out, but we uh, had Spec on, then we had uh, Jeff Merrick, and then we never got to it with Eddie, but... Uh, Bob sent this out about an hour ago. 23 years ago today, Edmonton Oilers head coach Chris Knobloch scored five goals as the two-time defending national champion. Golden Bears beat Brandon 12-0. Knobloch finished the year with 31 goals and 42 games played with Alberta that season. Alberta, I mean, Alberta went 43-2. and two. He... Chris Knobloch was oh. in the mix to be Golden Bears head coach mm-hmm. uh, a number of years ago. I think when he was still with Kootenai yep. after winning. And then, but I believe if my, from this is really stretching my memory from doing some reading, that he did not tell the ice yes. um, that he was applying for this job. They did not take too kindly to him seeking a job while still under their employ. They let him go. He ends up back in the OHL. After a little bit of time off. Correct. And uh, then goes on to have a very successful run with the Erie Otters that's, into the AHL. Uh, that's a system. perfect Reader's Digest uh, Coles Notes version. Yes. Very yeah. good. Yep. And so, I mean, he, he is a G-Bears uh, legend. Oh. For sure. Well, those teams, again, when I first got here, that was my beat. When I got to ITV, I covered Golden Bears football. I covered Golden Bears hockey from 98 on. For those, you know, five, six years, I was down at the rink almost three times a week interviewing these guys. And and then Tom Wilkinson was coach of the Bears football team. I mean, that was fun. I mean, the Bears weren't very good at the time. Wilkie was a, an absolute legend sitting on the bench outside on a nice, beautiful fall day watching Golden Bears practice where there's now, I guess, a parking lot. <laughs> a parking lot on the west side of the Butter Dome, I guess, would be where the Bar City Stadium was. Am I correct in that, Duke? Am I, do I have my directions right? Yeah. I'm trying to, th- like, the west side of the Dome. Yeah, yeah. Is, uh, there's a field there. Well, but that, and a parking lot too now. Oh, yes, correct. So that there's whole... The, there's the varsity field yeah. and then the... The parking lot right there as well. It's a smaller field now, right? But that was they, where the football field That's where field the is. rugby team practices a lot, okay. I believe, the Pandas rugby yeah. team. And I think some of the soccer teams practice there depending on availability at foot and things. Fair. So anyway, you'd go there and, man, it was just beautiful. The sun was on a nice fall day in September, Bears football, close to the university. The atmosphere, you know, it's September, it's back to school. The kids are out, they're fired up, and everyone's going up and having a beer at Rat, and you're so excited to see your friends again, and you're excited to get back to school. And the Bears were 0-0 zero and zero at that time on the football field, and Wilkie was sitting on the bench watching practice. His assistants were doing drills, and Wilkie had a big ton of, uh, a big tin of uh, Copenhagen snuff going. Oh, man. Text coming in, 1-833-401-1440. 1-833-401-1440. Give us a call as well. 
A lot of Donairs. Uh, Burger Baron on 111 uh, and 152nd Street. Halifax Sweet Donairs are the best. Northeast Mike. They make Donair in Great Britain, not a local thing. But like green onion cakes, we have our own local style. Simply Donair in St. Albert beats them all from KCF. Blowers and Grafton, says Darren, is a knockoff East Coast place or originated from Calgary. All hat, no cattle. Well, that's the first negative comment we've had about <laughs> Blowers and Grafton and several positives. So uh, no, there's no offense, Darren. I'm, I have to go with the odds here and say they're still on the worth checking out uh, side of the ledger. So this is, I, I think this is towards you about drinking the Donair sauce out of the plastic bag at the end. This comes from Anthony, the washed-up ghoulie. Duke, you are disgusting, and I love it. <laughs> Just picture me after about 20 oh. Ryan Waters at the at the tavern, so, and I'm wandering home, walking down White Avenue, eating this Donair, and then I finish, and I've just got it tilted back. Much like a chip bag when you're yes. trying to get those last few crumbs out, but that's what I'm doing with the combination of grease from the meat and then the leftover... Do, uh, the leaking out sweet sauce, and then a few shreds of lettuce probably in the mix too, maybe a chunk or two of tomato. The um, best. So what would you get like an ounce or two of that juice, or what are you looking at here? Like what do you, is it yeah, a shot yeah, glass Yeah, like full? a shot glass okay. full. And once again, depends on the place, because sometimes I'll like be like, yeah, extra sweet sauce, mm-hmm. please. And then you may have maybe a, a double shot <laughs> of it in the bottom. Uh, just to clarify, yeah, the parking lot on the west side of the Butterdome is across from my house. They minimized it, and now I have... a basketball course across the street uh we bought our house the minute i realized that the booming voice during football practices was wilkie <laughs> that is an awesome text man that's crazy i would have walked by this uh, texter's house no name on it send us your mm-hmm. name so we can put you in the system yes. um i would have walked by this person's house a thousand times more than that probably hmm. wild yeg buds nothing beats swiss donair a lot of people like the burger baron and burger yeah, a baron's a, that's a big story too mm-hmm we might have to do something with that. Uh, Rufus McPlad is the guy's name that moved in after he heard that it was Wilkie's voice. <laughs> uh, well, this comes in and something about, you can read this one, Duke. I can't, I can't even figure it out, that little thing. Uh, there's no, yeah, there's no name to it either. Send us a name of that picture you sent. So it's about. a Google search, which, yeah. I mean, of course, now we oh, have to take yeah, everything that so you can cool. type in. Uh, they typed in just Donair from, and then it came in. Donair, originally from Turkey, pronounced Donair Kebab. This barbecued beef wrap with onions and sweet garlic sauce came across the Atlantic to Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada in the early 1970s, either mispronounced or anglicized to Donair, and the name stuck. And that from holyfalafel.ca. <laughs> Shawarma versus Donair versus Euro versus Falafel, which they are all comparable things. So, they come from that Mediterranean area. Um, but once, I think, I can't remember who texter said it. They have the same thing in Britain, but it's just the local flavor. And in Canada, it's a Donair. So and I love it. Why do they have, like a lot of it says shawarma and Donair shop, right? Is mm-hmm. that what they have? So because there is a similarity and difference. difference. Okay. There is differences. What I think, I don't know if it's about like tzatziki versus sweet sauce. And um, I know like traditional gyros and falafel, I think, doesn't use beef. Uh, gyros mm-hmm. are usually lamb. I think, but once again, don't quote me. This is all just from uh, pop culture combined with uh, yeah. <laughs> reading what's on the signs in these donor shops on the menus. 
Well, if this place called Letzitsa ever sees Duke come in, get rid of the sauces because uh, it says, not the best donators, this comes from Josh Den Otter, but they will give you a bottle of sauce for the table. So, Duke, if you go in <laughs> just there... Just load it up you myself. Just, yeah, you just can't drink the bottle. If that was the, the case, the bottle of sauce for the table, I would be getting an order of fries because I love donair poutine as well. Yeah. I would be getting an order of just cold, or not cold, but like just raw fries, um, no toppings. And just straight sweet sauce on it, using that as dipping instead of like ketchup or something because hmm. it is that good. Boy, people like their donairs in town, don't they? It's the, this it's is the a, Edmonton thing. We're getting more text on donairs than we've got. Well, not more, but about, let's say, say a quarter of our texts on donairs compared to when the Oilers were going south last week. <laughs> it's comparable. And again, the names of all these shops, I mean, each one is probably different but there are some similarities i would imagine i mean go have a donair this weekend it's going to be a beautiful day to go have a donair when we come back deandra Lou from the hockey news covers the tampa bay lightning and our puck report and sean mullen from uh, whl unfiltered in the next uh, hour it's the kevin carey show on sports 1440 stay with us all right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the Puck Report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Right now during the Road Ready Sales event, you can save up to $225 off on selected tires and a bonus of 50 bucks off any service until December 16th. Book your appointment at fountaintire.com. Some restrictions do apply as we welcome in Deandra Liu from the Hockey News. Covers the Tampa Bay Lightning. Good morning, I guess almost good afternoon to you, Deandra, but uh, welcome to Sports 1440. Good morning slash afternoon for me, and, and thanks so much for having me. You know, just before we get to the Tampa Bay Lightning story and the Oilers taking on the Lightning tomorrow, the last hour or so we've been consumed here on the airwaves with a question that our producer, the Duke of Delborn, just talked to you. You just talked to him about donairs. Do you know what a donair is? It's a delicacy here, I guess, in Edmonton and a the West Coast, the East Coast, every coast in Canada. Have you ever had a donair and do you know what it is? No, okay. I have not ever had one, but fill me in. Okay. Let me know so, we're here. Uh, Duke, can you give her the exact, I guess, makeup of what a donair is? Well, it's just very comparable to what uh, in the States you'd have like a, a gyro or shawarma, uh, like a, a pita wrap with some um, meat off a, a skewer, like shaved off, and then lettuce, tomato, sweet sauce, tzatziki sauce, uh, some onions, peppers, however you want to dress it up that way. So it uh, there, there's versions of it all over, but in Canada it's called a donair, and it's just our, the Canadian-specific um, spin on mm-hmm. like a gyro or a, or a shawarma. Ooh, yeah, I actually just looked it up while you were describing it. Um, I would be all about that. So all thank you right. for introducing me. <laughs> so next time you come up to Edmonton, the Duke will take you to one of the top donair spots in Edmonton to try this uh, local delicacy out. How's that sound? That sounds good to me. I'm going to hold you guys to that. Oh, well, you're more than welcome to visit our city anytime. How are things going with the Tampa Bay Lightning in the last little bit? Lightning with a record of 7, 6, and 4, so just kind of, you know, hovering around the 500. Mark, how would you assess this team going into the game uh, tomorrow with the Oilers? Yeah, I mean, um, as you guys know, obviously it's no secret. It's been kind of a rough week uh, for the Lightning. Uh, started last Thursday against Chicago in Tampa. Um, you know, that was kind of an unexpected loss there. And then they had they got shut out twice in a row to, uh, you know, Carolina and then, and then St. Louis. So 
um, been kind of I would I would comfortably call it a little bit of a slump here for for the Lightning and you know last night they they came out with a win and it was very much needed mm-hmm. but um, you know a different team this year they're not it's not the same Lightning team that you've seen in in years past you know obviously with the salary cap unfortunately there was no way to keep all of those veteran players um, seasoned veteran players and locker room guys that that they've had that helped them win the cup and. You know, that's just kind of the reality of, of where they're at right now. It was a tough summer. And um, I think the biggest maybe misconception, though, with the Lightning is, you know, the talent is still there. They have great employee, Nikita Kucherov, who's having an insane season, Steven Stamkos, you know, Brandon Hagel, all those guys, Victor Hedman, you know, they're still there. Um, kind of where they're lacking is is on defense. And, you know, last night actually was, it was refreshing. You know, they, they didn't really have any lapses in, in defense. So the talent is there. The the ability to do it is there. I think right now they're kind of going through a bit of a transition, as you would expect, with mm-hmm. so many new players. Um, you know, Vasilevsky is, is out. He's expected to return soon. But, you know, a lot of it is, is coming from, from the mental side of the game right now. So how close is Vasilevsky to coming back? Um, so he's expected, he's tracking right now um, to come back anywhere, you know, John Cooper said anywhere between Thanksgiving and December 1st. Now, the eight-week mark is right, Thanksgiving Day is, is exactly on the eight-week mark, so that would be the soonest he's allowed back. When we spoke to him last week, we actually, he surprised uh, he surprised Coop and, and all the players and showed up at practice and was taking shots, and we got to speak with him for a while afterwards, and um, you know, he really wants to listen to his body. Obviously, you don't want to rush anything after back surgery. Um, so, you know, he's going to kind of play it by ear, but Thanksgiving would be the absolute soonest that, that he could come back. DeAndre Lou from the Hockey News covers the Tampa Bay Lightning, our guest on Sports 1440. In his absence, how would you say that Jonas Johansson has played, plus a local product here from Sherwood Park, Edmonton area, Matt Tompkins? Yeah, you know, I think the Lightning have, have had a... I, I, you know, and obviously when Vasilevsky, when it was announced that he was he had back surgery, that was pretty shocking, right? Because we saw him on the ice the day before, and nobody really knew that he was injured. Um, and funny because, or not funny, but ironic, you know, last week when we spoke to him, he had let us know it was not a hockey-related injury. It was uh, from doing overhead squats in the gym <laughs> on his downtime. So that was an interesting little tidbit that we got. But, um, you know, Jonas, and Matt Tompkins, both of them have, have really stepped up to the plate. And, you know, you think about, you know, Jonas Johansson, not a lot of NHL experience, and he's, you know, going to fill in for the best goalie in the world with very little notice and on opening night. You know, just a lot of pressure on his shoulders, and I think he's he's delivered really well. With the issues that the Lightning are having right now, I'm not sure, you know, Vasilevsky, he's, the best goalie in the world, you know, maybe he could stop, you know, one of those shots from going in. But mm-hmm. for the most part, everything that they need to clean up is is outside of the goalie situation. I thought Jonas, he's played almost every game, um, and I thought he's performed really well. And, and mm-hmm. given the circumstances, that's a lot of pressure for him. Uh, yeah, DeAndre Liu, uh, our guest on Sports 1440. DeAndre, do you think the Steven Stamkos contract situation at the start of the year was a distraction for the team and maybe has it continued on as the seasons progressed? 
You know, I've been asked about this a lot just in the past week as they've kind of, you know, struggled just a little bit. And um, I think maybe I have a, a different opinion on this. I think I wouldn't call it as much of a distraction due to the fact that Steven Stamkos is, you guys know, I mean, he's such a professional. Yeah. He, you know, kind of stays one level, keeps his business to himself. And when he was originally, you know, I, I was there when he was, he was asked that question. It wasn't something that he brought up. And I don't know if he necessarily would have brought it up had he not been asked, but he kind of keeps that to himself. So a distraction maybe wouldn't be the word, but I think, you know, I'd be lying if I said that doesn't affect the momentum of the team and kind of just the overall steadiness. You know, you always have that in the, in the back of your mind, just as a human being, you know, and uh, Stamkos is such a leader on this team. I think he takes it to heart a little bit that, you know, he, he, they didn't even have communication about it in the summer. So that definitely threw, threw me off. And I think it would be a lie to say that that doesn't in some way affect, uh, you know, their overall steadiness of the team. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Liu, the hockey news covers the Tampa Bay lightning lightning take on the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow afternoon. The first of four straight for the Oilers on the road on this trip and the Oilers on a three game winning streak. How would you assess, uh, assess the play of uh, Mikhail Sergachev? so far this season. I've watched a couple of games. He seems just a tiny bit off. Where do you see uh, the big defenseman right now in the mix of things right now for the Bolt? Yeah, I mean, Sergey has had a tough season. and You know, he's been, been getting a lot of heat here locally. Um, and I would say, you know, the, the Tampa media, just from a local standpoint, doesn't typically do that. But obviously mm-hmm. it's been a, a rough week and he's gotten a lot of heat here. Um, and he performed really well last night, scored a goal, um, just had a really good performance. And, uh, you know, Coop put him put him right next to Eric Chernak, who returned uh, last night, and he had a great game. And so, you know, he got that big contract. He's young. You know, that puts a lot of pressure on guys. And, you know, maybe that's something that it was starting to get to his head. He was starting to doubt himself and kind of question his, his game a little bit. So, um, you know, it looked like he was moving in the right direction last night. And, you know, we'll see, I think, tomorrow, you know, with the Lightning right now and just kind of where they're at, especially waiting for Vasilevsky to come back. I think consistency is the biggest thing for them. They've mm-hmm. just been so up and down and up and down. And, and you know, yesterday, you know, it was a, a move in the right direction. We'll kind of see on Saturday. And with them, it's, you know, I with San Jose, I remember, you know, being on a show and, and people were asking me, oh, they shut out San Jose, but it's San Jose. With them, it's all about consistency. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. So um, that's definitely something that they're going to be going to be focused on and and Sergey, you know Sergey's been getting a lot of heat he doesn't mm-hmm. want to hear it so you know uh, DeAndre the Oilers had him pegged uh, to take him in the 2016 draft had uh, not worked out the way it did where yes Apoliarvi didn't go three uh, the Oilers were going to take Sergeyev at four but then when it flip-flopped with what Columbus did uh, it Apoliarvi became available and that's the direction the Oilers went so when the Oilers come to town, uh, DeAndre, do, and Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, is there still a little bit of a buzz when two of the top players uh, come into town? Or what's the feeling when, when an Oilers team comes into Tampa Bay at this time of the season? Yeah, I think anytime Connor McDavid's in town, there's going to be a little bit of a buzz, especially given the fact that, you know, the Lightning have been struggling on defense and just different, you know, different holes in their game, I think obviously with a guy like Connor McDavid, like that can't happen, um, you know, because that can that game can go in the wrong direction for the Lightning really quickly. Um, so yeah, there's there's always a little bit of buzz, and and for them, I know 
you know, they're not going to take and coming off three wins. Uh, you know, they're not going to take that that lightly at all. So, like I said, I think for the Lightning, it's more about their game and focusing on consistency rather than so much the team that they're playing. But when you've got a guy like Connor McDavid coming into town, that kind of changes it up just a little <laughs> bit, you know. DeAndre Lou from the Hockey News covers the Lightning as the Oilers get set for the Lightning tomorrow. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning announced a, a couple new members going into the Tampa Hall of Fame. Can you kind of just expand on that? Yeah, pretty cool news. Uh, Dave Anderchuk and and Brad Richards and, you know, obviously two legends in Tampa, the 2004 Stanley Cup champions and you know, there's a lot to be said about both of, both of them. I just put out a little article just giving some highlights, and I was digging through the stats and, and just, uh, you know, how they've they've changed the Lightning organization. And, you know, Brad Richards is a guy, you know, when Phil Esposito called his name for the draft, nobody knew really who he was. And now, looking back, you know, he just became a total legend here in Tampa. And, um, you know, and Dave Anderchuk is still very much part of the organization, mm-hmm. and, and he works uh, you know, for the Lightning now. So um, very involved in the community, very involved in the team, both of them. And, you know, it's cool. The Lightning are, you know, obviously they haven't been around for too long, but uh, just seeing, you know, where they started and, and where they're at now and uh, the history and the things that they've gone through, it's it's cool for me too as somebody who covers it to yeah. just kind of watch the, the market and the team grow. And, and watching hockey grow in Florida has been a lot of fun as well. What's that been like in the history? And you just kind of mentioned that. To go back, I mean, we're coming up to 20 years here. It seems like almost yesterday when they beat Calgary in the cup final. Does the does the city, does the organize, organization, does everyone sort of embrace the history and going back to kind of celebrate that? And will, be there, will there be kind of a, a bigger deal maybe next year to, to recognize that? Oh, yeah. You know, and it's it's, you know, Phil Esposito is, is a great person to chat with on things like this because obviously he's the reason why the team's there. And when he talks about, you know, trying to get money to even start the team and then how they started and, and how it grew and then when they won the Stanley Cup and then all of a sudden, you know, it feels like it went by so fast where they went back-to-back Stanley Cups in such a short amount of time. And you know, 20 years is, is a long time, but then when you look at it, you know, me as somebody covering the team, it's just, it looks like it so much happened in, the, in that time. But uh, yeah, I know in, in the city of Tampa, and I don't know if you've, you've been here recently, mm-hmm. but I mean, they t- fully embrace the history of this team. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because you're, you're in Florida, right? But if you go through some of the neighborhoods right outside uh, where Amelie Arena is, you're going to see kids playing hockey in the street. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's got their lightning gear on. All the little kids, want to play for the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, and boys and girls and, and the Lightning have, you know, really embraced like the development programs for, for little boys and girls in the area. And you've just seen this team and the sport grow so much in Florida. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, the city fully embraces the history of it. And it's, you know, it's funny because, you know, I'm covering the team. I'll put some things out on Twitter and, you know, people will just start, throwing facts at me and, and little tidbits. And it's just cool to see, uh, you know, how well everybody has embraced uh, the Lightning mm-hmm. as a whole. It sh- should be an interesting game tomorrow night, as you say, maybe defensively the Lightning not 
totally there. The Oilers, we know the coaching change, so uh, it should be an interesting tilt uh, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, Deandra, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having and, me on. Thank you. And also... Have a euro or a donor. Have see if you can get one mailed down to you. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll put it on <laughs> ice and get that. it in a cooler. <laughs> Let's do it. People do it. You know, people in Chicago send pizzas everywhere. So yeah. really, what's the difference? You know, exactly. We'll get you one somehow. We'll figure it out. Thank you. Thanks, Deandra. That's Deandra Liu. The Hockey News covers the Tampa Bay Lightning. And our puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Head to FountainTire.com to check out their winter tire lineup, brand offerings, and seasonal tire storage. When we come back, Sean Mullen, WHL Unfiltered. It's been a busy week for Sean, a busy week in the WHL. Uh, We will check in with Sean when we come back on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, let me put on my surprise face. The Duke slides in uh, Culture Club on Friday playlist. Not surprised at all. It's a staple, isn't it, Duke? It's a staple, Kev. Nothing. <laughs> very few things put me in a better mood heading into the weekend than a little karma oh, chameleon. Man. Uh, let's welcome in uh, Sean Mullen from WHL Unfiltered. Uh, morning, Sean. Welcome to Sports 1440. Good morning. Yeah. Do you like uh, the Culture Club, too, or not? <laughs> um, in the right context. Yeah. You better believe it, baby. So I it's been... For it when I've had a few beverages, maybe. But... Well, that's that's why the Duke plays it every Friday. He's just... He's thinking about what's coming up Friday night is what it is. Exactly. So it's been a busy uh, couple of weeks for you. Just kind of got back from the Under-17 World Challenge in Prince Edward Island uh, doing the play-by-play. What was uh, that like, calling that event for you? It was awesome. Uh, one of my favorite experiences doing broadcasting, actually. It, and, you know, it was the first time I ever got to visit Prince Edward Island. And not that if anyone was, was going to plan the timing of their tourist trip to PEI, that they'd plan it in mid-November. Uh, but it, it's beautiful. The people were great. And the hockey was terrific. I mean, I mean, six teams, any given day, anyone could win. A ton of great finishes. You know, you're watching the next generation of, of future NHL talent. Um, it was just an absolute blast to watch. It was it was so much fun to be a part of. And then, and then you know, Team Canada, uh, Team Canada White in this case, winning it, which hadn't happened in a while. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just a very unpredictable, exciting tournament with a, a lot of outstanding talent to watch, including Blake Fiddler, yes. who plays for uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings, and you know, Gavin McKenna, of course, everybody had their eye on him, who plays for Medicine Hat, who's kind of the next one in a lot of people's minds. There was, there was so much great talent to watch. What did you see from Blake Fiddler? I mean, a young guy, we all know his bloodlines, uh, you know, dad, a former NHLer, and one of the funniest guys you'll, he'll ever beat. Uh, what kind of player is Blake, and what did you see from him out there? You know, with Team Canada White, uh, he played more that stay-at-home defender role. You know, they didn't put him in a position where he was moving the puck a whole lot, but I thought, and and it's it's kind of the old classic thing you say about a defenseman who plays that role. When you don't notice him, he's playing effectively, right? And and I thought there was a lot of that for him in that event, that he was very effective, strong positionally, defended well. It was out there against good players, out there on the penalty kill. You know, on a team that went on to, to win the, the gold medal, he was relied upon to play those important minutes against the other team's better players. And as the tournament went on, even from the beginning, Team Canada White didn't give up a lot of goals, mm-hmm. and they were really tough to score on. I mean, 
the United States was scoring, you know, double-digit goals against some opponents at the beginning of the tournament, and Team Canada White beat them 2-1 in the gold medal game in overtime. And they only gave up one against Sweden in the, the semifinal. And Blake was out there in mm-hmm. a lot of key moments defending well and being in the right place and playing physical. So doing the kinds of things that are going to make him the kind of player that the Oil Kings will rely on in the last two minutes of games going forward. Yeah, you know, Sean Mullen from WHL Unfiltered is our guest on Sports 1440. Besides McKenna, were there any other players that caught your eye that people will probably be going, hey, I remember this 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 kid when he was at the under-17s? Oh, sure. I mean, quite a few. You know, Cole Rashney plays for Victoria in the Western Hockey League. I've been watching him for a few years. I mean, he was on NAX, so people would know mm-hmm. um, in the hockey community would know him in the Edmonton area as well. I saw him win the Rocky Mountain Classic a couple of years ago. Um, he was in the Nationals with the Saskatoon Blazers of the uh, U- in the U18 Nationals last year. He's an exceptional talent from Saskatchewan, point of game player already in this league. And him and McKenna played together. Uh, they're really, really skilled guys. Um, Connor Schmidt scored the gold medal goal for Team Canada White and just one of those players that is going to do something explosive anytime he plays, even if he's not having a great game. If you give him a little room, um, he's going to make an explosive play. He's going to get behind a D-man and and do something entertaining to watch. Uh, He's a great talent, so if you ever get a chance to to see him play, um, he's just one of those guys. The Americans had quite a few, you know, very skilled players Mm -hmm. and Will Moore led their team in, in points. And actually, uh, Will Horkov was, it was interesting <laughs> to see, the, the son of former Edmonton Oilers yeah. captain Sean Horkov was playing for Team USA uh, in that event and scored one of the nicer goals mm-hmm. on a penalty shot, a beautiful little backhand. And we knew uh, watching Sean Horkov all those years, backhands running the family. So, <laughs> and, and he's bigger than his dad, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he develops. You know, if he has half the training uh, regiment as Sean uh, had because he was always in remarkable condition and really mm-hmm. went the extra mile. So what kind of player is, is Sean's son, Will? Well, he, he was a guy that played more of a third uh, third line role for Team USA. And that's, you know, the way they play with that program, right? It's a, the U-17 development teams. So they play all their top talents together. So I guess they envision him in, in that kind of way. I mean, he's you know, going to get the puck out of the corner, play a strong, responsible game um, out there on the penalty kill, playing a two-way forward type game, and he's a big guy. Again, he's like six foot five mm-hmm. at sixteen. So this is going to be a big player. It's it's the kind of player, of course, with that size and the bloodline that is going to have a lot of attention on him from NHL scouts. Will he develop the kind of quickness that he needs to be uh, in the National Hockey League? Well, we'll see. I think that's going to be the question mark moving forward. But you know, as you said right there, work ethic is not going to be a question usually uh, given where he comes from and who his dad is and what their approach to the game is going to be. So if he can put that time and effort into the skating, I expect there will be some people watching him moving forward. And the smarts, there's no doubt, and yeah. the smarts. Sean Mullen, WHL Unfiltered, our guest on Sports 1440. Sean, can you give an update on the situation in Swift Current with the Broncos? What's going on with the coaching situation with uh, Devin Pratt being, I guess, suspended indefinitely? Well, the only reason we know anything about what actually happened is because of, uh, have you heard of Live Barn? Yeah. Um, yeah. So... 
there are cameras that are on in, in different arenas around the, the country where, you know, if your kid's playing uh, minor hockey there, you can subscribe and tune in. You can watch if you're not there. The cameras happen to still be on during Broncos practice. Um, which I'm not sure is ideal. Uh, if you're a Western Hockey League team, you might want to like get the arenas to turn them off because you don't <laughs> want it not to hide yeah. things, but you know you don't want people to see what you're planning necessarily. But so the suspension was announced the other day that the Broncos had suspended him pending a league investigation into an incident at practice, and they weren't going to go into more detail because they're not supposed to, right? This is supposed to have a, be an independent process mm-hmm. where the league will then review the information, um, not be touched by, you know, what's going on in the public eye on this issue. And, and then, you know, similar to what happened, it's, it's kind of a newer process, similar to what happened with Kevin Constantine when there's a, an issue that uh, deals with the code of conduct that this, panel will investigate it and the league will review and come back with a uh, recommendation and whether or not there should be a suspension or how long it should be. And then the team responds to it after that. Mm-hmm. But in this case, because of live barn, when people were able to go on and see that there was a, an incident where a coach Pratt had uh, been frustrated or seemingly frustrated with uh, one of the young defensemen on the Broncos and was skating towards him, shouting at him, um, and then slashed his stick hard enough to break it. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's been the incident that you know motivated this response. And so you're getting kind of the extreme reactions that show the the divide of opinion in the hockey community. We've seen on a number of fronts. There's you know the one reaction of this is not acceptable. He's got to go. And the other reaction of Oh, the sport is soft now, and it's not like the old days. And and in my mind, I think both reactions are a uh, too quick and and b too extreme because there's so much we don't know, and we're responding just from some footage from the practice. We don't know, um, you know, what the relationship is like between the two, uh, mm-hmm. what other factors may have gone into you know this response. So uh, we don't know so many th- different things because we don't have all the information and the investigation hasn't taken place yet. And um, so I think people are reacting too quick. They they see the term suspended indefinitely and they think back to Kevin Constantine with, uh, with Achi and assume that means that he's going to be suspended long-term. Well, it doesn't mean that necessarily either. Indefinitely simply means unknown as of yet how long that suspension could be. Right. So yeah. I think, again, you know, we live in a, a world that wants an instant reaction all the time. But I don't think even though we have that video, I don't think we have enough information to respond to it because we don't know um, what's all involved. And we don't know what the actual punishment will be, if if anything, further. So um, there's a lot of information we have to get still and we'll see what happens. But you know, for those who say, uh, and I don't know Coach Pratt well, despite having covered the Broncos for mm-hmm. nine seasons. I mean, I, I watch the team now. I've met him a couple times. He seems like a nice guy and a good young coach that was a nice surprise for Swift a couple of years ago when they um, when they were, you know, pushing ahead of schedule at that time for playoffs. And now the expectation is that they get in. But I don't know him well personally enough to, to vouch for his character or not, right? Mm-hmm. So, um 
I would say for everyone who just kind of says, oh, players are soft, there's no – because that's been a, a response in the comments from some people. Oh, players these days are soft. Well, there's no indication that I'm aware of that there was any kind of player complaint. So putting it on the players. And I, I won't say who the player is that's out there, but like I don't think that's fair either because mm-hmm. he didn't – as far as we know, you know, he wasn't the one who made a complaint about it. It was in a public enough setting that it could have come from any number of sources that would have caused it to get to this level. But people are dumping on players, and no one even knows if a player had any problem, right, uh, or what other reason they could have. And second to that, for, for those who say, oh, you know, the, the sport is soft now, I mean, there are a number of things. Mm-hmm. that have happened in hockey over the years that we wouldn't accept anymore and shouldn't accept anymore. I'm not saying this is or isn't one of those things, because, again, and I still haven't even seen the video, but um, things change for a reason, right? Power dynamics have to have to be altered. There are, have been lots of situations where, um, you know, coaches were in a position of unnecessary amounts of power over young players. Now, I, I don't think... Again, I'm not saying that there's anything mm-hmm. wrong with Devin Pratt because I don't know because I, I, all I'd ever heard was positive before this and and uh, I don't know all the details of this, but I say more broadly when people are sort of saying, well, the game is soft these days and et cetera. Um, yeah, players have changed, circumstances have changed, but I don't think it's a bad thing that it's not like it was in 1987 when coaches had unchecked power. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't see this getting to a, a, a situation where he is suspended more than just kind of indefinitely. I see him coming back. That's how I see it. Well, I, my gut instinct, again, without knowing what other circumstances could be behind it, if any, because that's, you know, again, why they want to conduct these investigations mm-hmm. before um, a lot of this stuff would have got out and, that's an unfortunate part of it for, you know, they're having to react to it now. But, it, yeah, um, I don't think that it was smart um, or appropriate to smack his mm-hmm. stick that hard that it broke. Um, I don't necessarily think that it's uh, worthy of long-term suspension or fireable. But, you know, that's without knowing those other circumstances. So I'd agree with you, uh, you know. Um, off the top of my head, my, my thought would be that it would be a, you know, there would be a suspension, but not one that would necessitate um, yeah. his removal. So we'll see what happens. I mean, he, he's a young coach with a family. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't want to see anybody go through that. And at the same time, I don't want to see a, a negative environment for any kids. So I don't know if there's anything beyond what we've seen. Um, but I hope for the best for everyone involved, and that I'm sure that the Western Hockey League will be very thorough in their response to this. And I don't think it's a bad thing. There's an extra spotlight on player safety and making sure that it's the right environment for these young players. And uh, I hope it is, and I hope it is, and Coach Pratt will come back and have lots of success here for a long time. One last one for you, Sean Mullen, and a quick one from WHL Unfiltered. Can you believe the parity in the entire WHL this year? Like, there isn't one, two teams either in the West or the East that seems to be like head and shoulders running away with things. Do you do you find that, and it's do you find it odd? Um, not necessarily odd. I mean, there are a couple of teams that 
you know, usually I find at this time of year, you, you start to see the beginning of the year, there's always that who is, who is going to break out kind of moment where um, in junior teams will surprise you because you sort of think one team has the right mix coming back and you think another team is going to be kind of out of it. And they, you know, at the start of this year, the Regina Pats went on a run where I went, what? Mm-hmm. You know, they lost Connor Bedard and they couldn't even play that well with him. Why yeah. are they all of a sudden in first place? But I guess what I'm getting at, sorry, Sean, to interrupt, but like, so nine teams separated by eight points in the East. Sure. But, but at the same time, you know, you have uh, Medicine Hat and Saskatoon, who I thought would be good, who are in first place and who have established themselves a little more consistently. Um, so if you, if you said to me at the start of the year, Medicine Hat, Saskatoon, Moose Jaw would be the top three teams, I, I wouldn't have been surprised. Actually, the teams are kind of where I thought they'd be. It's just taking a little longer to get that separation. And, and you're right, you know, um, the, the top nine teams especially are all really grouped together. And we've seen some great parity in this conference you know, the playoff race the last two years with the last two or three teams that missed has, has come down to the last weekend every year. So um, I love that about the league. You know, I think the Western Hockey League, more so than the OHL and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, is more likely to have more competitive teams just the way it's built and something about the draft process here and, you know, the more the more equal nature of things throughout this league, it's, it's great to see that level of parity because then it's a great league to watch all year, you know, whereas some of those other leagues, I would say, tend to have one or two, you know, more likely to have one or two super mm-hmm. teams, and that's why we haven't had a lot of success. Our league hasn't had a lot of success in the Memorial Cup, maybe. Yeah. But from a league standpoint, it's way more fun to watch when there's this level of parity and and that your team's still in it until March. Hey, Sean, thanks for this. Always great to talk junior hockey. All right, thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Sean Mullen, WHL Unfiltered. Oil Kings on the road this weekend in uh, Brandon. And what's the other game now? Moose Jaw. Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Uh, when we come back, it's PBR time down at Rogers Place. Uh, Jason Davidson, Connor Halverson from PBR Canada. We'll be back to talk all things Bulls when we come back on Sports 1440. First up, here is the Duke with a Sports 1440 update.